I'm telling you what, first service, first service has gotten so much more hype. I don't know what it is, but like you guys are full of energy the last two weeks. It's amazing. So uh, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Church is going to be amazing today, hopefully if I don't mess it up. So that's what I'm going with, what I'm going to say. Um, but I'm so glad, uh, I'm so glad that I get to be here with you. Uh, Pastor Craig is, yeah, Okay. All you guys are just hoping I say something real funny that you can make fun of me with later on. I bet. That's okay. And I probably will, so I don't disappoint. Um, Pastor Craig, is uh, he's gone, so uh, this week you get me. And next week, I'm telling you what, you're going to want to be here next week. It's going to be super awesome. Uh, you're going to get to experience something that we don't get to experience much in here, but your kids do if you have kids. Uh, Pastor Matt's going to come, and he's going to do an incredible job. Um, delivering a message next week, uh, all in our series, The Deep End. How many of you thought last week was just amazing, right? Pastor Craig did a phenomenal job last week. That's right. He did. And so, um, listen, I want to do one more thing before we get into The Deep End. Um, if, you, if you serve at all, uh, any part of the dream team, can I, just, can I just say thank you for everything that you do? Sunday mornings don't happen unless we have our dream team volunteers doing their thing, whether it's on the worship team or greeting or out in the parking lot. I'm telling you what, parking lot ministry, whew, that's a tough thing, right? It's awesome. From kids all the way to the nursery and, and the greeters in here and out there, uh, just do a phenomenal job. I'm so super blessed to have people in this church that care enough to show up early to pour their time and sacrifice their time into what goes on here on Sunday mornings at Crossroads Church. Listen, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about finding freedom is, is the message title this morning as we continue into our, our series called The Deep End. Um, and I really loved... If, if I was a little bit more prepared, I probably would have looked at the order of service and seen that the last song just fit so perfectly in, into, into this message, and I'm sure it wasn't planned at all like that. No, it probably was planned. Um, but I love how we ended that moment. And so at the end of the service, we're going to get to do, we're going to get a chance to respond as well, a little bit differently though, and I'm really, really excited about it, also nervous, but I'm super excited about it because it's going to be really great. Uh, but today, as we talk about finding freedom, I want us to really challenge ourselves because in just a second, we're going to do a little exercise. All right, some of you didn't have a chance, you didn't wake up early enough to exercise this morning. Don't worry, I got you covered. Um, we're not doing jumping jacks or push-ups or anything like that, so don't worry uh, about that. It's not, it's not a problem, all right? It's going to be super easy. But I want us to just kind of open our minds this morning because I think when we talk about this, we have a tendency to sit in our seats with whoever is on the platform talking, and you're like, no, I don't deal with anything like that. No, man, I'm good. I'm really good. No, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty free. I don't really struggle with things that hold me back, things that chain me back. I don't hold, I don't, I don't deal with that stuff. But I think in reality, if we were to be really honest with ourselves, if we were to be really honest with ourselves, I think that we would probably find some things in our lives that we struggle with and that we really need to hand over to God and find freedom in Jesus because he provides that for us if we just will open our hearts to him. So start off, like I said, we're going to start a little bit differently. So that's what I need everybody to do real quick. You close your eyes. All right. Close your eyes. No peekers. All right. No peekers. All right. Just close your eyes. And I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to list off a, just a list of just 
different things that maybe a lot of us might struggle with. Maybe we, we, find, we find that we're chained, we're held back, we're in bondage to these things in our life. And so this is what we're going to do. When I list them off, when I list them off, if you are able, if you're able, I just want you to stand up, okay, when I list them off. Now, if you're not able, just raise your hands. That's fine, too. And this is not for, like, an embarrassment thing. This is really just, uh, well, I'll tell you what it's for at the end. But here, here we go. All right. So remember, if I list something that you struggle with, now be honest. Be really, really honest, or, or this doesn't work, and I, and I look like a fool, okay? All right. But be honest. So if maybe, maybe you struggle with being worried about your finances. Nobody's looking around. Maybe you're worried about your future. Maybe you're just worried about your future. Okay, so then after that, maybe you have an addiction that you struggle with, and you can keep your eyes closed when you stand up, and that addiction can be anything from food all the way through the list, all the way down to like drugs, all right? So food to drugs, it doesn't matter, addiction. Depression, all right? You get depressed about things super easily. Uh, Insecurity, and once you stand, just keep standing. Insecurity, so maybe you're concerned that you'll never be good enough. Maybe, that, maybe you're, you struggle with uh, thinking that things will never change and there's, nothing good, and there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe you struggle with shame or regret, like your mistakes are too big for God to fix. Anxiety about everyday life. Maybe you just, are, maybe you just struggle with anxiety about every, every day. That's something that you struggle with. How about this one, apathy? Maybe you just are apathetic about life, like you just do not care. You don't care what happens to you. You don't care about what happens to others. You don't care about anything. You're just apathetic. How about busyness? Maybe you are just so busy. You're so busy that you can't be present for the people in your life that matter. You're so busy that you just can't be present for those things or those people. Or maybe you're indecisive. Maybe you struggle with being so indecisive because there's so many things that you could do that that you just kind of like bother yourself up and you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So you're indecisive. Or how about this one, unforgiveness. And I think I made up a word there, but un, not forgiving. Maybe you hold um, forgiveness you know, like against somebody. You hold, it, you hold it away from somebody. You don't forgive. Maybe comparison. This is a big one, a comparison. You struggle. You are bound by comparison. You're always looking at what other people have, and you're always comparing it to what you do or don't have. Or maybe you struggle with impossible expectations placed on yourself. Maybe you place those on yourself, or maybe they're placed on yourself by others, but they're impossible expectations. Or jealousy, maybe you're jealous. You struggle with being jealous, how you act towards others when others, others have things and you don't. You struggle with jealousy. And then lastly, maybe assuming or jumping to conclusions in the worst way. You just assume the mess out of things. Like you already have jumped to the conclusion before, uh, before you actually know the intentions of somebody or something. Now, while you're all standing, this is what I want us to do. And it's, I want us to just open our eyes and I want us to look around, okay? Did this exercise, because I think some of us would be surprised at the amount of people that walk through life bound up by something that they need freedom from. And it's not, this isn't an embarrassing thing. The reason why I wanted to do this this morning is to just kind of lay that groundwork. Like, you may sit through this entire message otherwise and say, yeah, I can just justify myself out of every single thing that this guy up here is talking about. 
I don't need freedom from that. I don't need freedom from this. I'm okay. The reason why I act this way is because this happened in my life or that happened in my life or I had to walk through this season in my life. That's why I struggle with this. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you can justify your way out of it or not. We still all need to experience the freedom that Jesus has. This isn't an embarrassing thing. This is a human thing. And what we need to realize as human beings is we serve a savior that just wants us to run to him when we need freedom. So can we have a seat? That was good. That was good. Okay. This morning, listen, this morning, I believe it can be the moment, can start the moment that we find freedom in Jesus. I believe that it can be the moment that we can start the journey to beat the struggles that we experience in our life. Why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? Because Jesus says, In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather as my followers, I am there among them. Now, we just looked around, but I want us to look around again. All right, how many are in this room? Way more than two or three, where we all are gathered, you know, just for the purpose of seeking God, hopefully. But I believe that we are. And so, according to the Bible, which we believe is true and is God's word, God's spirit is here. And then there's another verse that I want to point out, point out this morning. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, for where the spirit of the Lord is, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? So if Jesus is here, maybe he's, he's not here physically walking around the room, okay? Don't, don't get weird on me. But we know that his spirit is here. And so where the spirit of the Lord is, what also is there as well? Freedom. And so that's what this morning we're going to be talking about is finding freedom and then how to stay free. I think a lot of us, we just have this moment where we're like, you know what, I'm free. And yeah, you're free. But how do we stay free once we get there? How do we realize that that freedom is for us to stay in and not just fall back into the bondage of things that we struggle with? So that's the whole goal of this morning. And to start, I really would like to start with a story that I really love about Jesus, it's kind of the main passage of the day, and the um, story takes place. Jesus has just come out of his 40 days of fasting. He's in the wilderness, or he's just come out of the wilderness, rather, being tempted uh, by the devil. And he goes back to where he's from, where he was born, the, the, the region of where he came from. And he started to teach in the synagogues there, uh, and not very long after that, after coming out of the wilderness, he actually went back to his hometown of Nazareth. And he started heading to those synagogues to preach and to teach people. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up this story in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled to this very day. 
So we know that when Jesus is in the equation, right, that there's freedom to be experienced. He just sat and he read this. We read this, we've read this story where he's standing, he's reading an Old Testament scroll, something that probably most of the people in the room in that moment had already heard or read themselves. And he's sitting there, and he, he, he just blew them out of the water. That last one was just like a mic drop moment, you know, where you, ha- you say these things, you're just like, now I can walk out of the room because everybody knows now, all right? And just like, boom, I just fulfilled this scripture. It set him off. If you read the story, if you read on, it set him off. Like, they're just ready to get rid of this guy. Like, who did he just say that he was, you know? Fact of the matter is, we see, though, we see as Jesus' life continues and, and we look back through church history, we really see that this, this, in fact, really did fulfill that scripture. Jesus fulfills scripture. He brings freedom to all of these people that are in bondage. And I'm not just talking about physical freedom, but he also brings the spiritual freedom. So today we're going to talk about three steps to find freedom and to stay there. Step number one, change your outlook your attitude, and your actions. Change your outlook, your attitude, and your actions. Probably like the three like, things that just encompass your everyday life, like your attitude impacts, uh, your outlook impacts your attitude, your attitude can more than likely impact your actions. So if you want to find freedom, and you want to stay free from the thing that you're struggling with, you need to change your outlook, your attitude, and your actions. For example, like how many of you have ever been around somebody that is just like negative Nancy, you know, or um, I'm trying to think of the male equivalent, negative Nelson? I don't know. <laughs> you, you're, you have these people in your life. They may be in your family. They may be at your workplace. They may be just random people. But you know, as soon as you see them and they see you and you meet eyes, you're about to know all of the terrible things that are going on in their life, Right? And you're like, no, I don't have anybody like that. I'm just going to leave it there, okay? (laughs) So, you know, you don't want to be around these people for very long, right? Because their negative outlook on life starts to impact your attitude, not just theirs. It may start impacting your attitude. And so, like, like I call these things, I call these kind of people, like, you all have seen Winnie the Pooh, right? Okay. All right, maybe not this front row or some of the rows up there, but like, y'all seen Winnie the Pooh? Oh, maybe, okay, all right, we do have one up here that knows what Winnie the Pooh is. Now, the character Eeyore, Eeyore, like, I call these people in my life Eeyores. Like, they're just like, oh, man, my shack blew down again, you know, my tail fell off. Everything in their life is approached like that, with that attitude, like, oh, my gosh, you know? Sometimes, especially when we're working with young people, because that's what, that's what Ashley, my wife, and I do uh, a lot, work with young people. A lot of times, you know, when they're talking to us and, and they're telling us about, they're lamenting about how terrible their life is, and we, bring, we try to bring up one, like, positive thing, all right? Let's try to reinforce that, at least one positive thing, right? And, and they, meet, they meet that, they reply to that, like, hey, well, wasn't, like, isn't, like, you just won the lottery, right? Isn't that great? Yeah, but my parents took all the money, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, it's impossible, all right? Your outlook and your attitude on life impact your actions and the words that you say. 
If you want to find freedom in your life, you need to start realizing sometimes freedom just starts at changing your outlook. Like maybe you're dealing with addiction. You know what? Today could be the moment where you're like, no longer, no longer am I going to just be captive by this. I'm going to take steps that are going to help me experience the freedom that Jesus has, that he paid for on the cross for my life. Sometimes the start is just changing your attitude and your outlook. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the first part of that scripture kind of gives us a really big slap in the face when it comes to our outlook and attitude and just how important they are. It says here on the screen, it says, for as he thinks or she thinks within him or herself, so he or she is, all right? I changed it up. I didn't change it, like, but that's what we mean here, all right? If you, what you think in your heart, that's what you're going to be. The first step to finding freedom is to change what you think about yourself. You're not, you're not just a mess up. You're not just somebody that's just going to struggle the rest of your life. You are somebody that is fearfully and wonderfully made, that God designed and put on, on earth for a purpose and a reason, and you are going to start walking in that freedom, and today's going to be the day. If we start changing the outlook of our life, it'll affect the attitude that we have which will then affect our actions. And I know I'm saying it a lot because I want us to get it in our head this morning. Change your outlook and your attitude and your actions will follow suit. If you want to continue to live wrapped up in captive thoughts, addictions, insecurities, then you should just go ahead and continue to live with the same outlook on life, like you're stuck and you'll never be free. But once your attitude changes and your outlook changes, your actions will follow suit. So most of us in here know the story of Paul and Silas, right, and how they were imprisoned in Rome. Some of you may not know the story. If you want to check it out and read it, um, read it for yourself, you can check it out. Uh, I have the scripture reference up here. I'll tell you in a second when I find it. I'm sure I will. Oh, Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Ah, sorry. Acts chapter 16. And you can start reading in verse 14. It'll give you, a, give you a good scope of what's going on with Paul and Silas as they're in prison, why they got there. But just kind of the cliff notes of why they're in prison, uh, of how they got there. They're locked up. They're chained so they can't escape. Um, but what did they do? Paul and Silas, what did they do? They changed. Their attitude was different than everybody else's in that prison, in that prison block. Their attitude was different. Their outlook was different. Why? Because they knew who Jesus was. They knew what God had called them to do. They knew who Jesus identified them as. And so, their actions were much different than everybody else in that block of cells. The Bible says that they, they started to praise, and they started to pray, they started to praise, and then about midnight, there was a great earthquake, and it shook the jail, so, the jail cell doors, and, and all of the cell doors opened up, and then boom, boom. They got to experience freedom. Now, if you read on, there's some other things that went along with that, right? But all of the, all of the doors in that cell block, they all opened up. And so sometimes I kind of had this random thought as I was preparing for this morning. I, I just kind of put this question in my notes. Could other people's spiritual freedom sometimes hinge on your ability to walk in the freedom that God's given you? Think about that for a second. Maybe you're walking through life and you have some kids that are just really struggling with being Maybe just as simple as being positive about, about their everyday life that they're walking through. Maybe school's not going as what they would hope it would go. Maybe they're not experiencing the right kind of influences in their life. 
And then maybe you start to do some self-examination. You're like, wow, maybe I don't have the best friends that we hang out with as a family. And it's not like they're bad people, but maybe they just don't have the best influence. Maybe the way that they talk, maybe the way that they let their kids act, maybe the way that, you know, all of these different questions. What if we started to live in freedom? And how would it impact the people around us that live in captivity? I think this is a great example for that question to be asked, and we should ask ourselves that. Paul and Silas, if they didn't have that kind of outlook on life, if they didn't have that attitude which led to the change of their actions, maybe we wouldn't be reading this story. Maybe those people in that cell block, their doors wouldn't have been open either. So how many of us will decide that, you know what, if it's not just for me, it needs to be for other. I'm going to walk in freedom so that I can have an impact on the other people's lives that I surround myself with every single day, whether it's family or coworkers. I think our freedom that we walk in impacts others. Other thought is, I think most of us in the room would want to reach, want to reach. Like we have a, a we have a desire to reach spiritual freedom with Jesus. We do. I think all of us do. We don't like to feel like we're always struggling with things on a day to day basis. And and here's the thing, you may you may continue to be tempted by that thing. You may be you may continue to to struggle a little bit with it. But as your outlook changes and your attitude changes, as your actions begin to change, I I bet. I bet that that struggle won't be as bad. I think all of us, we desire to experience spiritual freedom. It's just that some of us, we won't ever experience spiritual freedom until our spiritual priorities become habits. We know how, uh, we know how important habits are, right? What are habits? Habits are just like the things that, that you do every, almost every single day. Like they're, they're like a routine that you have. The habits that you do are important. I've actually heard somebody say this, and I really, really like it. Uh, it, it says that uh, none of us really decide our own future. Instead, we decide our habits, and our habits decide our future. Think about that for a second. None of us really decide our own future, but we decide our habits on the day-to-day. And so as our habits are done day-to-day, our habits are really the things that decide our future. I wonder what our lives would be like if we start changing our habits. Because if you want to change your spiritual priorities, because that's what habits are, your priorities, the things that you do every day, the things that are important to you to do every day, as you change your spiritual priorities, as you change your spiritual habits, you'll need to change the actions that you take daily. If you change your spiritual priorities, you'll need to change the actions that you take daily. Some of you, you want to find spiritual freedom, but that daily appointment time with Jesus just does not exist in your life. Really, honestly, step one should have been that. If you want to experience spiritual freedom, you need to spend time with the person that can provide it for you, right? If you want to find spiritual freedom in your life, you need to spend time talking with Jesus. You need to spend time in worship with Jesus. And listen, I'm telling you what, I'm sorry if this is going to just blow you away and you're going to be mad at me, but that's fine. I'm the youth pastor, so you don't have to deal with me, okay? <laughs> but I'm telling you what, if you think that spending time with Jesus equates to just Sunday mornings from 9 to 10-ish, then you're missing out, man. You're missing it. 
Students in the room, if you, if you think that spending time with Jesus and you taking your, your, your relationship with Jesus seriously is going to get you to spiritual freedom, that starts from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, you're missing it. Where it really starts is Monday through Saturday, not Sunday. You can start your journey and make a commitment while you're here in this room or in that room over there, but listen, starting it isn't finishing it. Starting it is just the first step, right? But you got to finish it, and finishing starts Monday through Saturday. That wasn't in my notes. It was for free. (laughs) Second step, second step is we need to resist the doubt. Resist the doubt. Change your attitude, your outlook, which will affect your actions, and then we need to resist the doubt. Because after you change that, after you make, take that first step to start the process of walking in spiritual freedom, trust me, there's going to be some moments where you're like, oh, man, I am really struggling with this. Did I even experience did I even really experience spiritual freedom? Did I even really start the journey? I'm telling you what, there's, there's an enemy that we all have, and he wants us to think these things so much so that he wants us to reverse course, right? Mm, okay. The devil has really no desire for you to understand that spiritual freedom is for you to experience. He doesn't want you to understand that. So much so that the Bible actually, Jesus, God decides that it's so important that we know the truth about the devil, that he puts it in his word a couple times, and we're just going to highlight a couple of those instances where Jesus actually called Satan, in John chapter 8, verse 44, he calls Satan the father of lies. And then Peter describes him as someone that's roaming around like a lion seeking to devour. 1 Peter 5, 8. So it, is, it just fits his character, that he would want you to doubt the change that Jesus wants to bring to your life. Maybe that you've already started in the process. He wants you to doubt that change. And so our job, the step that we need to take is we need to resist, we need to resist the doubt. It's awesome because uh, when we resist the devil, the Bible also has something to say about that. Actually, it was Jesus' brother, James, that says this in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, you're just like, well, all I got to do is resist that? Well, yeah, this says in God's word. I believe that's true, right? Do you believe that that's true? Yeah. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. And so when you're in those seasons where you've ex- you know you know that you've experienced spiritual freedom. You know that because Jesus has died on the cross, he's given you the ability to be free from the things that you struggle with. The first thing that you need to do is you need to change your outlook, blah, 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 yeah. The second thing you need to do is you need to start resisting that doubt. Find some scriptures. We call them ammunition scriptures, right? So you're like locked and loaded, you know, like... All right, now, like you are locked and loaded with the ammunition that you need to defeat the lies of the enemy so you can tell him in those moments where he tells you, you know what, you're a failure. You'll never be free from that. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to be able to walk in freedom and victory that you say Jesus has died for you for. Like, you're never going to be able to do that. You need to just reply back with, you know what, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I know that I am more than a conqueror, devil. I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you just keep on going and going and going until, boom, you're resisting the devil. And you know what? The Bible says that he's going to flee from you. He doesn't want to hear that any more than you don't want to hear his lies. And so I wonder sometimes, instead of just sitting down and just, just you know, just eoring, I guess, if you will, uh, all right, instead of just sitting down and just, you know, woe is me kind of attitude, we start to stand up on the word of God and we start to reply to the devil in a way that he doesn't want to hear, but in a way that we need to reply with in order to continue our journey in spiritual victory. I wonder if we should be doing that. I wonder what would happen if we would start to do that. Remember, we said this earlier. We're going to revisit it for just a second. In Luke chapter 4, he, uh, Jesus said this. So that the spirit of the Lord is. And, and here, I want us to understand this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the spirit that brings freedom wherever it's at, Jesus says, is upon me, and he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. And at that time, and, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, the spirit of the Lord, he's talking about the spirit of the Lord, right? You know what's so cool about the spirit of the Lord? We find out in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the first part of that, that verse, that the spirit of the Lord who raised Jesus from the dead, where does it live? Okay, I'm going to ask it again, and we need to be a little more excited about this, because we're just like, man, we're, we're almost getting it here, okay? Where does the spirit of the Lord that raised Christ from the dead, where does he live? Inside of us. And so there is nothing. The Bible, Jesus also says that uh, when he was walking the earth, he said that you are going to do even greater things than what I accomplished when I walked the earth. That's what Jesus is saying. And so where the spirit of the Lord is, there's just not freedom. But it's also the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same Christ that says, you're going to accomplish greater things than what I've accomplished as I've walked this earth. And Jesus accomplished some amazing things, right? No, okay, first service is like, no, Jesus, like, no, Jesus accomplished some amazing things, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, and so if we are going to do even greater things, doesn't that mean that we can, just even more, we can walk in freedom? Doesn't it mean the same thing? Good, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> the third step, and I'm not going to really hang out much on the third step because uh, we're going to respond a little bit, a little bit this morning. The third step is don't, don't do it alone. Don't try to walk through this process of freedom. Don't try to walk through these steps alone. Another lie, another lie that the enemy will try to get you to believe is that you can accomplish this on your own. You don't need those people in your life. You don't need to keep coming on Sunday mornings. But, I mean, you don't need that in your life. The fact of the matter is this, yeah, you do need a group of people to walk with through this thing because you're not going to find much success walking through life in spiritual freedom if you try to walk it alone. You're not going to find much success trying to walk through it by yourself. And yeah, probably some of you are in the room this morning like thinking, okay, this is the part of the service. Like you're leaning over to your neighbor, you're like, he's going to plug life groups right here. And you're exactly right. I am going to plug life groups right here. I'm telling you what, we have life groups for everybody. And because I'm preaching, I get to plug this. <laughs> um, we have life groups 
Do you know that your kids, that kids ministry meets in small groups? Did you know that? Okay, one person got excited about that. I know exactly who it was. Your kids meet in life groups. I was just in the context of Sunday mornings down here, but your kids meet in life groups. Did you know that your students also have life groups? We call them FAMs, but it's small groups because we know the importance of not walking through things alone. Did you know that we have, if you're out of high school all the way up through about 30-ish, we have life groups for you too? Just, I mean, some of them, some of them have been going on for a minute, but like just a couple of them just started. And so you may think that you're in an area of life where you really don't have a choice, but you got to walk it alone. Well, I'm telling you, it's, you're wrong. Last night we met with, I don't know, there was probably 20 or so. We had our very first college and career night uh, with Crossroads. College and, Crossroads College and Career Ministry. And that, that Ashley and I have the, have the privilege of leading. And it was amazing. We talked... If you saw, this, saw the slide on the screens the last couple of weeks before or after service, it's called Rated R for Romance, and let me tell you what, it delivered. <laughs> we had a discussion panel. Nothing was, nothing was uh, well, I'll just say, like, if you had questions, you could ask them, and there was a lot of questions. They were good questions, but it was a moment where all of our college and career life groups could get together and meet as one, because we also know that sometimes we, we need to understand that there's other people, not just in our small little circle, that are walking through life and going through some of the same things that we are. Maybe like you're older than college and careers, let me tell you, we have life groups for you. The thing I love about Crossroads, and I'm still kind of new so I can say this, actually like when I start doing like, (laughs) never mind, when I mess up really bad, that's just going to be my, I'm new, I'm new. Josh, you've been here for three years. Yeah, I know, but I'm new. Uh, No, you're not, okay. So I can still kind of bring this perspective in. So really, I've only been here six months, just in case you weren't familiar, but like just three years later, I'm still going to be saying the same thing. But the perspective that, that I get to bring is unique because I've been in other church settings where this has not been a large focus. The importance of life group has not been something that is pushed. And you can tell a difference. You can tell a difference from one church to the next where it's an important thing and it's not an important thing. Because people understand that relationships are important and who you have relationships with are important and that you don't have to walk through life alone. There are connections that can happen with you and somebody else in this room that can help you get through the thing that you're going through because maybe they've gone through it too. Maybe they've experienced it and they've come out victoriously and you need to have that person speak life into your situation. But you just don't want to take that step to walk through life in a group. I'm telling you what, I'm going to repeat it. I've already said it once. You aren't going to find much success walking in a life of spiritual freedom if you think you can do it alone. Worship team, you can come in the... I want to talk just a little bit about who Harriet Tubman is. How many of you are familiar with Harriet Tubman? If you don't know who Harriet Tubman was, Harriet Tubman was an African-American woman who escaped slavery during just before the Civil War era. And not only did she escape slavery, but once she found freedom, she decided 
that she was going to be the person that helped others find freedom too. So she walks through this journey of sneaking back into the South and rescuing slave after slave after slave after slave and bringing them to the North so that they can experience freedom. Her nickname, I don't know if you know this or not, her nickname was Moses. And I think it fit her pretty well, if you know who Moses is from the Bible. Study, historians, historians believe that she rescued anywhere from about 100 to 300 slaves. I know that's a really large range, but the reason why the low number is so, so much lower than the, than the top part of that range is because that was, she thought that, she thought that what people were saying was too much. Oh, I didn't. I think she was just trying to be modest, though. If you study her much, you know that she was a woman of character. She was deeply rooted in her beliefs. But she valued, she valued, she knew what it was to help people experience freedom. She did it. That was her thing. She did it. Not only was she a not only did she do that, helping slaves experience freedom, but like she, she has so many other accolades in life that she, that she has uh, been given responsibility for, like inventing a medicine. Um, she was a spy for the North during the Civil War. All these different things, but I think the thing that was most near and dear to her heart was making sure people experience freedom. I think it relates so well because I think that's what God has really close to his heart too is you understanding that you can experience freedom and I think even more let's take it another step that you can experience freedom today Harriet Tubman she was associated with the Underground Railroad the Underground Railroad was in operation it wasn't a real railroad just in case um, <laughs> I think most of us know that but it wasn't a, nor- it wasn't a real railroad but it was an escape route for slaves that were trying to find freedom. And most of us, we equate uh, the, the operations of the Underground Railroad to just a Civil War period. But did you know that this Underground Railroad actually started and ran from the eight, 1800 to 1865? It was the most successful route for, slavery, for slaves to take to escape slavery to experience freedom, the most successful route. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers that probably are going to blow you away because I want you to remember this was the most successful route. From 1800 to 1865, 100,000 slaves experienced freedom through the escape route of the Underground Railroad. 100,000 slaves. You're like, wow, that's, that's a lot, right? But let me put it in perspective for you. In 1860, There were four million slaves in the South, just in 1860 alone. Four million slaves in the South. So if you run those numbers, and I'm not a mathematician, and anybody on our our adult leader team will tell you that. Uh, So we actually have a math guy. But um, so if you want to tell me later that I'm wrong, that's okay. But 65 years, you divide that by 100,000. On an average, every year on an average, that means that 1,538 slaves escaped a year. On an average. 
This is the most successful escape route for slaves to find freedom from 1800 to 1865. 1860, there's four million slaves in the South. And in that year, that meant that 0.03% of slaves escaped and found freedom. Now, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. And actually, and actually or negative Nancy, actually, I want us to think about those numbers in relation to our life, the life that we walk through. It's hard. There are things in our life that we face day to day that are just hard things to face. The struggles that we have, the things that bind us up, that keep us from experiencing freedom, they're hard struggles. They're things that you may categorize as unfair. You may say, this is just, this is way, my life is way harder than theirs. I'm just telling you earlier, if we can remember when we looked around the room, about, I would say, I would confidently say about 85% of the room was standing, maybe more, I don't know, the lights are bright. 85% of the room was standing up. You know what that tells me? That life is just hard. Now, I, I want to be sensitive here, obviously, like, what these guys were escaping from was just terrible. It was terrible. But I just, I just want us to understand. Life is hard. And did you know, the Underground Railroad, it was the most successful escape route. And the research that I, that I had read said that it was way less likely that a slave would find freedom if they tried to do it all on their own. That's what I want us to get this morning. If you think you're going to walk through this life struggling with the things that you struggle with and you're just going to push through and do it all by yourself, I'm going to stand up here pretty confidently and say, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I'm sorry, but that's just not how it works. If you want to find freedom and you want to stay there, you need to do life with people. Do life in a life group. We have a connect center. We talked about it earlier. We have a connect center that all you got to do is walk over there. You can go on our website. We make it so easy. Go on our website. Find a life group that fits you, your life station. Sign up for it. It's so important. If it wasn't important, I wouldn't be talking about it this morning. I wouldn't be harping on it right now. It's so important for us to understand. We can't find freedom and stay there if we think we're going to do it on our own. Today we're going to close a little bit different. We open different, we're going to close different. I'm excited about this. Also, I'm nervous. It's okay. I really believe in having reminders. A lot of times on Sunday nights in CSM, uh, we like to use tokens. We call them tokens, really cool buzzword. But we give out tokens to our students sometimes because we want them to remember what was talked about that evening. We want it to be a reminder on a day-to-day basis. They put it somewhere where they see it daily to remind them about what we've talked about. Today, I want us to have a reminder. And listen, I'm telling you, if I could 
if I could just, you know, pay for 500 people to get a really awesome token, I would. <laughs> uh, but a reminder is a reminder. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of paper or something else. I have some people that are going to help me. I have some adult leaders uh, on our team on Sunday nights that, that are going to help me out with this. So if you guys could find your place. But I have, I have a proclamation, a freedom proclamation that I want to read. And this is a proclamation that I want you to read over your life. When you start to feel like you're struggling with the things that man, you know that God has given you freedom for, I want you to pull out this proclamation. Can I have one of those? I want you to pull out this proclamation. It's just a half sheet, vertical paper. But you know, it fits really well into a Bible. It fits really well on your nightstand. It fits really well on your mirror if you want to tape it up there. You put it somewhere where you can find it. And in the moments where you feel like, man, I'm really having a hard time resisting the doubt, resisting the lies that the enemy's trying to feed me about the freedom that I know God has already paid for me to experience, you pull this reminder out. You pull this proclamation out. And this is what it says. I belong to Jesus. And that makes me part of the fellowship of the invincible. I have the Holy Spirit's power within me the die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. I've made final, my final decision has been made. I'm a disciple of the king. I won't look back. I won't let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, small planning, cheap talking, and flat dreaming. I no longer need position, promotion, or popularity. I don't have to be first recognized, praised, or regarded. I now choose to live by faith in the Son of the living God. I lean on his presence, walk by his power, and overcome and overcome by his, by his word. This is, my spiritual fa- uh, this is why my spiritual face is set. My walk is fast, and my goal is the kingdom. My companions may be few, and at times... My way may be narrow, but my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. By God's grace and through the power of the Almighty Son and His living word, I simply, I simply refuse to give up, shut up, or let up because I am prayed up, paid up, and looking up to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of my faith. Yes, I'm a disciple of the King. My determination is, is sure. My future is eternal, and my trust is unshakable. And one day, the trumpet of the Lord will sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised, and I will be caught up into the heavenlies, ever to be with my Lord. I will then begin the party of all parties, the celebration of all celebrations, and the moment of all moments. For in that sacred second, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord to the glory of God the Father, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Isn't that good? Okay. going to do. We're not going to end with a slow song. We're not going to end. We're not going to end with, you know, just some measly moment. 
We're not going to end like that. We're going to end celebrating the freedom that God has already paid for, for our lives. The thing that Jesus came and died for on the cross, we're going to celebrate that freedom. And so these guys are up here. This is how I'd like for us to close. As, as the worship team starts to begin, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be good. As they start to begin, this is what I'd like for us to do. I want us to come up here. I want us to get one of these freedom, my freedom proclamation. Because I want us to take it home. And, and here's the thing. If you can't get up here because you're just not able to, these guys are amazing. They'll come to you. Just start hooping and hollering. Okay? Everybody else is. Because when you get this, I want you to hold it in your hand. And I want you to celebrate the freedom that Jesus has already paid for for you. Because 